that work? Yes, we're all here. We're all here. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. We live in the future. Um, all right, all right. We'll just go ahead and get this going so we don't cry. Um, all right. Rip the band-aid off. Starting in three, two, one, or whatever. Some of y'all, like Tony and Will, were there to watch it live. Others, like myself, had the benefit of being able to change the channel. Let's face it. Any way you slice it, that three and a half hours proved to be one disastrous game. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 54 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. And yes, Ole Miss took apart the dogs this past Saturday in Oxford, 45-14. to 14. And quite frankly, it could have been much worse had Hugh Freeze not pulled his starters in the third quarter. However, there's really no need to dwell on the awfulness that was Saturday. Obviously, the three of us feel that way. I think this might be our shortest episode in quite some time. So sit back and power through the next 15 or so minutes, and then we can all finally shift our focus towards the volunteers as they are set to march into Sanford Stadium this coming weekend. <sighs> okay, Georgia versus Ole Miss recap coming in three, two, one. So, guys, uh, the final score of uh, my first trip to the state of Mississippi, uh, pleasant one outside of this thing that we're going to discuss today, uh, was 45-14. to 14. Mississippi beats the Georgia Bulldogs. It was, of course, 45 to nothing at one point. All sorts of things to take away from the game. First off, is this a matter of Mississippi just being that much better? Or is this a co- uh, game that just kind of got away from Georgia? Or is it a combination of the two? Tony, start us off. I think it's a little both. I mean, we it's it was clear on the field yesterday that we are there, – there are no surprises. Offensive line continues like our, like our offensive line has most of the season. Uh, we're still seeing drops by receivers – Defensively, we have some some holes. We're we're a young football team. Um, the other part about it is, I wonder, you know, the, it's starting to feel to me like the team hasn't quite bought into what Kirby is selling, and and that's fine. I mean, that happens. It's it's a first time coach. You know, the, these guys didn't get recruited by him, or a lot of them, which gets me finally to the class of 2013, which ordinarily right now would be our our senior leaders and. You know, lo and behold, not many of those guys are around. I mean, I said it last week. We have two seniors on the two deep, and they're both transfer students. Um, so it, it was a culmination of things. And then, you know, I, I can point a little bit to the coaching. I'll have to go re- rewatch the game from my view in the stadium. I didn't think the coaching was was terrible, uh, although there were a couple of times where I felt like we probably got a little too simplistic on defense. And then, of course, we took the spy, the Chad Kelly spy, away at the wrong time. But you know, that's. I, I think I agree with you, though. I, it was it was a wonderful time, other than those three hours. I just can't can't say enough about the hospitality of our host, and and thanks to the you know Will Robinson folks that hooked us up because it was wonderful. Scott, was it wonderful on to, uh, uh, if you weren't drinking at the Grove all day afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was great for me because I was able to kind of passively watch the second half because I, I already knew what was going to happen. I mean, we all knew what was going to happen. Um, Tony, first, I got to ask you, why would you rewatch this game? That's kind of concerning <sighs> why you would want to put yourself through something like that. Well, I think uh, fundamentally I'm a masochist, but, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> You know, the real reason is because I want to figure out stuff. I mean, I guess. Okay. No, I, I mean, I'll accept that. That's that's fine. I mean, I'm not going to rewatch all three 
horrific hours of it. I think I think I'm more likely to fast forward through and kind of look at plays of breakdown. I mean, some of some of the breakdowns aren't hard to see. We still have defensive backs that are le- relearning uh, a system, uh, and, which is very different than than Jeremy Pruitt's. And we have an offense that's on their third offensive coordinator in three years. And both of those things were on full display Saturday. We saw this coming. I mean, if you think back to North Carolina and then Nichols and then the squeaker last week at uh, Missouri, we saw this coming. I mean, this was just kind of telegraphed. And that's why when we got down, uh, when was it, the Lorenzo Carter whiff and then the guy just wanting the ball more than our defensive backs. And I think that was, what, 17 nothing after that? I mean, you could start feeling the snowball effect starting to take place, and you're just shaking your head. But we saw it coming, and I, Tony, I saw that you on Twitter responded or liked this tweet, but this, I think this tweet summed up the whole Saturday. It was by Luda Chrissy when she said, just went to Sonic and ordered a chili and cheese hot dog, got home, and realized they gave me an empty bun. That's kind of how this game felt. Yeah, you know, it's funny, too, because... When you look at some of the issues, you know, we've talked about the offensive line and it snowballed because they just kept getting beat. <laughs> and, and what was frustrating was I feel like, you know, we can have a larger discussion about the, this being the first year of Kirby and his staff. I actually like there was a moment where when, after they pull off that fake punt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was a really awesome call that is executed very well. And then, and, you know, this, then Eason, Throws three pretty good balls. Two perfect balls, one a little off. All three which are, are dropped. And right. on one end you can say, well, wide receivers, what's their problem? On the other hand, I feel like that and I think they should have caught those balls. On the other hand, to me, that was the moment where you're like, oh, we're getting drilled today. <laughs> <laughs> like that is like that to me was the definitive moment. Is that, that how it felt in the Georgia section where you were? Uh, I, w- I was actually surrounded by Mississippi fans. I was I was on the I was in the section O uh, on the uh, behind the Georgia bench about four, fifty rows up. But, uh, by the way, I'll say this about the same: the stadium is the Grove is awesome. The stadium is nice. Right, I think the stadium is nice. I think the stadium is league average stadium. I I found the area around Vaught Hemingway Stadium more inspiring than I would say necessarily. I found the stadium itself, but the crowd was great. Everyone was very friendly and very nice. But to me, that was the moment in that game. This is going to get really terrible really fast, and it, it was. It was also so hot. It was incredibly hot. Uh, it was. It was nickels hot. It was not unreasonable to see when that happened. This is just going to keep rolling downhill. So I think the question for you guys is. First off, I don't know if we've seen some of the other games. Mississippi looks really good. <laughs> like that looks like that's a good team. Uh, I I would make an argument they are better than both Tennessee and Florida, uh, which I think we, we we've talked in the past about how if you lose to that team in the West, you can still accomplish all of your goals. Uh, I think uh, we'll 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 certainly talk later about uh, Tennessee uh, next week and then Florida coming later and how Tennessee acted like they won World War Two after they <laughs> won their game. But I do think that. This is a team that's better than Georgia and more talented than Georgia and has been together for longer than Georgia. And I think all of that added up and, and, and was clearly not demoralized by the way that Alabama went, game went down and instead wanted to come out and show what they were capable of. I think that all that combined, I think Georgia obviously has a lot of stuff to work on, but I feel like this was, Georgia's not going to get blown up like this again this season. I, I don't think so. <laughs> Well, I mean, I hope you're right. I, I can still see it happening. I mean, there are two things I take away from this game. One, it's it's really easy to see. It was on full display. 
a lot of the same structural issues that I think we saw last year with Georgia, which is we had an offensive line that wasn't great. And then you take away the running game. We got some yards late in the game. You take away the running game. You're putting the weight of the game on the on the shoulders of quarterback. And it's not that Jacob Eason can't do it, but he was clearly rattled at times. And you can't blame him for that. I mean, he got hit a bunch. But on the other hand, at some point you have to you have to trust your receivers to catch the football, and they're just not. That's a real d- a difficult place for an offense. Uh, for an offense like Georgia's right now to be, I mean, I've seen a lot. Of, I've seen a lot of people like, oh, I can't believe I shot in Heimer and now this. And uh, you know, I, I'm willing to give Jim Chaney uh, some benefit of the doubt because, frankly, our, I think our offense is less talented this year than it was last. Well, it's a cascading effect too because the offensive line is letting way too much penetration come in. And, and Jacob Eason, I don't know if y'all noticed in the stands, you probably did. But I'd say 50% or more of his passes were thrown off his back foot. And that's going to affect the trajectory of the ball and maybe cause some of those ill-advised throws where he's overthrowing a wide-open receiver or maybe the ball's just not landing like it does in practice right into the receiver's hands. I don't know. I mean, those balls have to be caught. <laughs> like Those balls have to be caught. I, I want to make excuses for people today. Yeah, and I, and I understand that. I understand <laughs> that. I mean, listen, I mean, I said they have to be caught. I mean, no, these guys aren't getting paid. I mean, right, they have to right. be doing anything. But certainly, I feel like for a team to... Uh, that was the one moment in this game where you thought, all right, you know, remember we all had this idea, like, uh, Mississippi's choked away a couple of uh, big leads. Maybe Georgia's got that exactly. in. And that exactly. was that little moment where you were hoping it, and then you realized, nope, it's it's not going to be down this way. I still feel like Mississippi is really good and had a lot to prove in this game. This is not to say that Georgia doesn't have a lot of problems, particularly in the secondary. But also, there frankly are not a lot of passers left on their schedule like that are as good as the passers they faced the last two weeks, right? Like, to me, that's the ma- a major issue with Georgia is the secondary. The secondary is clearly a problem right now, but there's not, like, you also just face probably the two of the top three or four passers in the SEC. Would you guys agree with that? I would say that. Yes. So, that, to me, that is, while well, you still have to work on the secondary, that you're not going to be facing teams that are specifically designed to pick at that, what I think is a pretty clear weakness. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, it, right now we have. I mean, there, there's. I mean, the simple analysis as is our defensive backs are struggling to pick up coverages. Um, we're leaving too many guys open, uh, particularly on the left side of the or the right side of the defense, and that makes it really easy. The only saving grace uh, of that longer term is that, as far as arm strength, I don't. I think we have seen the two strongest arms uh, arms proper. And I think Josh Dobbs has a really good arm. I just think. I think Chad Kelly and Drew Locker are a different league. Frankly, that's just my opinion. So, I mean, I think you're right about that. I think the part about it that's going to be really interesting for me is how we respond next week to a Tennessee team who is high as a kite. I mean, they are just I, – look, I get it. I get why you call the timeout. I, I, you know, you, you got to get your team uh, to celebrate at home. But, whew. Yeah, whew, that was – that that's, was kind uh, of ballsy. Yeah, it was. It was. So, um but you know, it, but the fact of the matter is, is that they're at the point where they have, have kind of earned that that. Um, They've won eleven or twelve games in a row, dating back to last season. So I mean, they are hot. They probably are one of the hot, you know, hottest teams in the country right now. Yeah, that's. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Well, Tony, I I have a suggestion. Just don't rewatch the game. I, I'm sure that uh, Kirby. This could be a burn the tape game for Kirby because he sounded pretty positive 
and didn't didn't feel like uh, you know the fire and brimstone that you might would be expecting after that game. So I think that's the approach he's going to take. He's going to say, "Look, guys, that that game sucked. Let's just move on and let's focus on Tennessee." And yeah, they'll, I mean they'll they'll dive into what they need to correct. But I don't think he's going to be harping on on Ole Miss this week. We're just going to be trying to upset. And that sounds funny to say, upset the gangbusters Tennessee team. Yeah, I, I mean, Tennessee's going to be favored by like five or six points, don't you think? Four and a half. Four and a half? I bet that goes up. Yeah, that seems kind of low to me. You know, opening line, four and a half. Yeah, I mean, they, they couldn't be, they could not be, have more opposite momentum of what's going on with them right now. So, but again, you know, I feel like, I, I, I'm curious, we should probably maybe close with this. I'm curious, Tony, when you talk about like the team not buying in, which is, you know, I mean, I think there's something to be said for that in the idea that it, things were, they did kind of snowball a little bit and there was the inherent confidence that seemed to be lacking. Is that something that no matter what happens the rest of the season and where everything kind of goes to me, that feels like now the major subplot of the season is okay. Let's get everybody on the same page, whether or not they're going to win these, win or lose these games or not. Yeah, I think the I think the part about it that that is easy, easiest enough for me to see why this is happening is that we have that the natural place where your leadership would come from would be your quarterback, leads a freshman. Uh, the second most natural place would be kind of a, a a defensive leader. Well, right now our best defensive player is either Lorenzo Carter who had a bad game or a freshman. So. You know, then you have a running back who's coming off essentially almost a year-long injury. There, there, there's a little bit of tension in how you can approach getting leadership from within the team. The other part about it is I haven't seen the team. I mean, even with the win against North Carolina, I haven't really seen the team up. I mean, there was some celebration with the touchdown last week. Well, at least it's not LSU. Had LSU had two or three seconds on the clock and be able to complete that play and then go off and celebrate, we might have been hearing Gus Malzahn being fired today. I mean, Tony and I talked about it this earlier this week where that could be a loser goes home game. I mean, literally. And that's exactly what happened with Les Miles. Yeah, that was that was a rough way for that to go down. That's for sure. Well, both teams got to celebrate, so. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, guys. Well, uh, we'll be out there. Uh, finally, hey, hey, look, it's it's possible that we may have a home game coming up that is not 95 degrees outside, so we can all actually kind of enjoy ourselves. And it does feel, you know, we've talked in the past. Uh, that was, I think, your line last year, uh, Tony, about Alabama. The Alabama game is Georgia can lose this game and still accomplish all of its goals. Uh, going into this week, Georgia had three games coming up. The, the three big games of the year were uh, at Mississippi, home against Tennessee, and versus Florida. Uh, the one of them that you could afford to lose was this one. Uh, I will be pretty fascinating to see as we come to the second one and now the most important one. Uh, and after that loss and after where Tennessee stands, what where they're going to be. It's going to be pretty fascinating. So uh, it should be quite a week. This is the pers- first real up uh, divot in the road. Let- let's see what happens next. Are we going to see you this week or in person on the podcast? I am No, I'm actually going to St. Louis. I have a family uh, event in Illinois that I ah. have to be at this week. I'm not even doing the show. I'm sorry. I'm not even, I'm not even doing the Sports Illustrated show this week. I have a family event uh, in Illinois this week, so I will miss. But theoretically speaking, um, uh, I would like to call in and have a minute like last week. I didn't get a minute last week. I would love to be able to do that. I loved the show. It's funny. It's not It's not a lie. I think I like the show a lot more when I'm not on it. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. 
But uh, all right, well, we'll do this again uh, next week. I'll see you guys all at the game. But mostly, you know, uh, no matter regardless of what happened in in Oxford, it was a terrific time. And go dogs, go dogs. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard me mention in previous episodes, we would love it for you to take time to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. This week's review comes from a listener named Mama to Boys. I think my wife can relate to that. She said, love listening to the guys each week. Discovered the podcast at the end of last season, and now I look forward to catching up with them twice a week that we're back in season. They offer a nice balance of genuine and honest analysis mixed with unashamed hope for Bulldog glory. Keep up the great work. Thanks so much for the comment, Mama to Boys. We will definitely continue to do our part in providing unashamed hope for Georgia, with hope being the operative word there, especially when it comes to the game this week versus the Vols. So make sure to tune in on Thursday to hear episode 55, where we'll be breaking down Georgia versus Tennessee. Until then, have a great week, go dogs, and we will see you on campus very soon.